Hello everyone, and welcome back to Metalcore and Muscle. My name is Evan. I am going to be your host for today's episode. This is going to be episode number 18 of the podcast. So wherever you're at, um, however you listen to podcasts, I hope you sit back and enjoy this one. The topics for today, we're going to be covering a little bit more of a fitness focus for today's episode. And we're going to be talking about what's it like working in the fitness industry. So I've worked in the fitness industry since 2014, and what I mean by the fitness industry is just working in a fitness-related career. So I'm going to be touching and talking about that today, Um, particularly some do's and don'ts about personal training. So um, if you're interested in a career in fitness or um, maybe if you are employing or hiring someone to handle your fitness, um, I think you can find this episode helpful. We're also going to round into a fitness tip of the week as usual, and then round out the episode with the song of the week selection. So if you're a fan of fitness and metalcore, I think you're going to enjoy today's episode. So let's get into what it's like working in the fitness industry. So my journey in the fitness industry began in 2014 when I was hired by Anytime Fitness, which is a, believe, global fitness club, I guess is how you would call it, um, or global gym. Um, I know they have some in Australia. I'm not sure what other countries, but um, mostly the United States, I'm sure. And I began my work as a personal trainer. So for this role, I obtained a certification from the International Sports Science Association, um, which at the time you basically, I think it was around $500 for the certification. And I touched touched on this in a different episode where I kind of covered my my background and credentials and everything. But um, I began as a personal trainer in 2014 and... I was also attending and completing my undergraduate degree with a a bachelor in science, bachelor of science in health and human performance. So I was, I believe, completing my sophomore year of of college, and that was when I was hired by Anytime Fitness to work as a personal trainer. So um, starting off, you know, you don't really know too much about the role. Um, at the time, I was just really into fitness. I had just completed my first men's physique competition. So um, definitely at the time felt like I had some degree of credibility. Although looking back at it now, I'm like, oh man, I definitely should not or had no business being a personal trainer at that time. But um, I still feel like overall, I did benefit the clients that I did train. But um, I began working as a, as a personal trainer there. I believe I had around maybe 15 hours per week while I was a student. And um, basically the, the job just became too much responsibility to have to really give my clients the best service. And I recognized that and I decided to leave that position so that I could really focus on school because as part of the undergraduate degree, at the university that I attended, you had to basically complete a in-person exam and it was basically doing a full fitness assessment. So we would do blood pressure, resting heart rate, we did a blood cholesterol test, we did a submaximal VO2 test, and you know, administered a push-up test, a lung capacity test, um, So a lot of, it was basically like a biometric screening in addition to performing some fitness tests on a subject. And so in order, basically in order to to continue on with the degree, you had to pass an exam. And if you pass that exam, then you could move on to the next class. If you failed, then you were kind of at this weird spot where you can't really progress through the program anymore. So for me at that time, I really needed to focus on school and I left that job as a personal trainer, but I was um, beginning my internship, which was working in the fitness lab on campus and basically doing all of those biometric screenings as well as administering those fitness tests. 
for the incoming or just the the freshmen on campus or anyone that still had to take a, I believe it was a one credit course called fitness assessment. So um, every student that attended the university had to complete that. Um, If we were receiving blood pressure readings that were um, indicative of hypertension, we would make referrals to the student health center. So it was a really cool experience through the undergrad. And sort of as I went on through my undergraduate degree, I began working in other internships, one of which was at a hospital. And the hospital had a physician on staff who I believe mentored other MD students during their residency. I'm not 100% sure on all the background, but um, they received a Pell Grant the, the University of Wisconsin-Madison did, and um, I was attending college at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, which is like a state school, and with this Pell Grant, they were able to conduct a study called the, um, the Program for Extensive Diabetes and Lifestyle Success, and so they had a, a group of diabetics who um, we completed baseline assessments for and I believe they, they tracked their blood pressure, heart rates. And over time, we, we worked with them for 12 weeks. Myself, as the physical activity intern, um, a registered nurse and a registered dietitian worked together to essentially administer a lifestyle program. That was another internship experience that um, was in the fitness space. So kind of up to that point, Um, I was leaning and looking more toward going into community health instead of working in the fitness industry. Um, Life has a way of kind of working itself out to um, have you work in different positions throughout time, which we'll kind of get into. And I don't want to go too far into my story, but the the whole reason I'm mentioning this is just to kind of provide some background of some different avenues that you can go in within fitness. So um, as I was completing my my undergraduate degree, um, and we were given a lot of experiences within the, the degree program as well. To I personal trained some of my professors. Um, we ran seminars on campus, so kind of like a worksite wellness for the, the staff there. And so by the end of the degree, I wanted to go to grad school. So I was accepted into the University of Wisconsin La Crosse as a community health education student, um, graduate student. So um, I knew I was going to go there and I was able to secure an internship with the um, La Crosse Family YMCA, which is just the YMCA within the, the city that I was going to school in for my graduate degree. And this internship was part of the undergraduate degree that you had to finish in the summer before you started grad school. So um, I was completing this internship at the YMCA, basically doing employee wellness programming. So that is another complete avenue that you could go into um, with a fitness background. So luckily for me, um, you know, I was able to secure an internship that was somewhat more community health focused than um, like sports performance, but sports performance was a avenue that many students went into like coaching or strength and conditioning. But for myself, I wanted to have a little bit more of a broad impact rather than just focusing on working with people one-on-one. So, um, make a long story short, I completed that internship and began grad school, completed a semester, really just felt like, you know, I didn't have enough actual work experience in community health or in public health. And so after a semester, I decided to drop out. And that was a very dark and kind of hard time in my life where I I quit school. School was kind of, I think for me, going to grad school was a way to sort of still provide that safety net where you're like a student, you don't really have to have everything figured out at that point in time. So I went from my undergrad right into graduate school right away. And, you know, just listening to my, my peers in in class, it's like, I could hear that they had this work experience and, 
you know, I completed a semester. I did really well in, in graduate school. You have to have a B average. So a 3.0 GPA to remain in the program. So obviously the, the rigor is a little bit more intense than undergrad, um, or just completing your, your undergraduate degree. And so for me at that time, I was kind of just really struggling in, as I was going into that second semester, because I just wasn't able to, it wasn't clicking for me. And I've touched on this in other episodes of the podcast as well. I, I believe at that time I was going through an eating disorder and, you know, excessively exercising. And so that was kind of, um, taking up a lot of my mental space as well. Um, but I did drop out and for a little while there I was looking for work and, um, I, you know, wanted to do more. I wanted to work in public health, but obviously my undergraduate degree didn't really allow me to do that because it was in health and human performance. So I actually began a job as a pharmacy tech at a pharmacy in that city that I was going to school in or that I had lived in before I was, um, or lived in while I was going to school. And I, I ended up quitting that job pretty early because it just, it wasn't for me. And I feel like at this time I was really getting into a dark place where I was um, just looking for purpose. And I think that sometimes, you know, for me, I had all these high hopes of, you know, I was going to go to graduate school and do all this and it just wasn't working. And I felt um, really down on myself. And so I had seen this job previously to work as a personal trainer for a local hospital. And I had kind of put off applying for it because, um, you know, to me at that time, working in fitness wasn't really on my radar. I, I wanted to do more public health work and do something a little bit different than what I had done in the past. Because at that time, my sights were set on public health. I didn't have the work experience. So in my mind, it was like, okay, I'm going to try to get some work experience. So I began working as a personal trainer at a hospital. I I applied for the job and I did get it, thankfully. And it was a great experience. It was really cool to work in a hospital as a personal trainer where I was able to work with patients that were sort of graduating, if you will, like physical therapy or cardiac rehab and it's sort of helping them really make fitness and exercise a part of their lifestyle after, you know, graduating through this, you know, rigorous PT, or if they were doing cardiac rehab, it's like, um, they just needed that little bit of guidance. So for me, that job was really fulfilling to start kind of back into fitness. So um, just to kind of recap here, I, these are some different avenues that you could explore if you were looking to get into fitness, right? So working for Anytime Fitness is like a corporate um, or like a box gym, right? So you could work as a personal trainer in that style. You could also do employee wellness programming where you're helping employees and helping the workplace um, have a more health conscious culture. Um, you could also go into more of the healthcare setting with fitness, right? So you know, I mentioned that internship with the the diabetes program, so helping people exercise in in that setting. Um, you could also help people with exercise as a personal trainer in the fitness industry or in the um, healthcare industry, excuse me. And so, at that point, I was working as a personal trainer. I wasn't quite full time just because the the position started as limited part time, and then I was gaining more and more hours, and sort of around the same time that I applied for the personal training job, I had applied for the job at, um, it was, this was a, a year of service with AmeriCorps. So for those of you that aren't familiar, AmeriCorps is a, um, it's kind of like the Peace Corps, but you stay in the United States and there's a bunch of different branches that you can serve under. And basically, you serve for a designated time period. Usually, it's for a year. And then you could choose to serve at the same site for another year. Um, But I believe the max is two years usually. And so, at the end of the year of service, they offer you either a education award. So, some an amount of money that you can use to apply to your 
schooling if you want to go back to school, or you could take the money and use it to pay off student loans. So for me at the time, I was like, let's give it a shot. And so this particular role with AmeriCorps was at the, it was through the Wisconsin Health Corps and it was serving at a community health center. So for those of you that don't know, a a community health center is a, um, it's sort of like an all-in-one location and they usually serve low-income populations. So um, they offer services like behavioral health, chiropractic, dental, medical, um, and then I believe also health education, and I feel like I'm forgetting one. If I think of it, I'll come back to it. But this is all offered under one roof in the same building. And so really cool. I felt like, wow, this would be an opportunity to really get into the community and do community health education, right? And so for me, I saw the job. Some of the the requirements for it were um, some exercise background because they um, provided and facilitated a senior exercise program. They wanted some employee wellness background, which I had as well. So um, all of that. And then also doing some health education, which was what I had originally gone to graduate school for. And really interesting, my supervisor when I was at the Lacrosse YMCA, um, she actually completed a year of service at the same site. So I already kind of knew about it. Um, and everything just really lined up in the perfect way. And so I applied to do this year of service and they give you a living stipend. So you don't really get paid an hourly rate. You just get paid at the end of the two weeks, um, a chunk of money that is supposed to help with rent and groceries and all that. So, um, we earn the stipend and then after you complete the year of service, then you get that education award. So for me, this was an opportunity to, um, work in the community and really get some of that public health experience. And um, I was serving directly under a patient health educator, so someone who goes into the patient rooms and provides one-on-one health education. And then my other supervisor was a community health educator, so someone who um, sort of facilitates these community programs. And so for me, I would go out into schools and provide health education out there as well as um, employee wellness programming for the employees on site and then also facilitating that senior exercise class. So this is another position that is still utilizing that fitness background, right? Um, so this would be serving in your community and helping the community members be healthy and be active. So um, a different realm of, of fitness that maybe someone wouldn't have thought of originally. And so this was really fulfilling work to do. Um, the The services that we offered, like dental and all of that, were offered on a sliding fee scale. So what that means is that the based on basically based on your income, they adjust the prices so that people can actually afford to have care. And usually for usually they're offered in lower income areas. And so for us, this was a rural area. So very, um, very rural farm community of, it was a village of about a thousand people. So um, this was prior to moving to California. So very different out here in California. It's very population dense. There's so many people around Um, back in Wisconsin. It's very spread out and not that many people per town or city, if you will, or village. So um, that was another experience. And during that year of service, that is when I moved to California. And so I've talked about certifications before. Um, I definitely think that there's something very important for a fitness professional to obtain because it adds to your credibility. It sort of um, also assists with professional development. You're ensuring that you're staying sharp on the latest research and on the latest trends in fitness and all of that. So um, certifications aren't necessarily only important for fitness professionals. They can be important for other um, disciplines as well. So for me, I, I completed this year of service. I finished the year of service while I was in California. Uh, my site was allowing me to complete some work 
remotely, which was awesome. So facilitating and creating some worksite wellness programs and basically sending all those materials back to um, my site in Wisconsin. And I was able to wrap up that year of service. And at that point, I decided to go back to school. Um, Prior to going back to school for my master's degree in public health, I did work as a group X instructor at the Huntington Beach Family YMCA, and I taught silver sneakers. I taught active older adult classes, um, and I did a little bit of personal training there as well. But um, the Huntington Beach Family YMCA is a cool spot because um, it used to be a Gold's Gym, and they converted it to a YMCA. So you think of a YMCA as being a a place with like a pool and you know like a kid zone and all of that and this was more of like a bodybuilder style gym so um we did have some bodybuilders come through there that worked out um one of them is garrett i think his last name is kaleo i'm not 100 percent sure um I think he's made quite a name for himself in classic physique. Um, He might just be more of like a fitness influencer now, Um, but he was coming through pretty regularly. Um, Dan Decker is another IFBB pro who was coming through there. And then um, the, the big name that used to work out there was Jeremy Buendia, the former men's physique, Mr. Olympia used to work out there as well. So um, for me, I used to watch his videos training in there before we moved to California. And so I thought it was really cool that um, I got to work there as well. So um, that was a cool experience. And once again, another sort of variant within the fitness industry that you could work in, which is group exercise instruction. So for group X, it's a whole different thing than personal training. You are you're you're doing the workout with the group especially with silver sneakers and you're on a stage there's like 40 30 40 people out there you have a microphone and you're basically doing like choreographed moves to music so some people really like doing group x instruction um for myself i found it to be a little bit stressful just because if you really wanted to deliver a great class you had to you'd had to take some time outside of work that you weren't getting paid for to prepare these, these classes. Um, there was probably a more efficient way to do it. But for me, it was like, I wanted to make sure I knew what I was doing. I wanted to feel confident as I was going in there. And so for me, I would practice the routines in advance and then I would go in and, and basically like perform. Um, it's, Definitely a lot more nerve-wracking than personal training because everyone is looking at you. You are basically the spotlight as you go through, whereas when you're personal training the client, you're spotlighting the client and helping them out. So um, I like group exercise classes where it's more like you set up the workout and then turn everyone loose to do the workout, and then you kind of walk around and provide those form cues and assistance. So this was a lot different than that. a lot different than personal training or the other coaching that I had done in the past. So um, that was a cool experience. I went back to school, finished my master's degree, and sort of the tail end of my master's degree program, I was interning and also working as a contractor at the St. Jude Wellness Center here in California. And um, there I was personal training clients at a, it's a hospital setting. So they were kind of a branch off of the Providence, um, hospital system here in California. And so I was able to work as a personal trainer. Um, once again, working with people, um, that were graduating from PT, graduating from, um, cardiac rehab. And so we were able to assist them, um, in improving balance and working on just general fitness level. And then I also worked and sort of facilitated their and kind of like coordinated the delivery of their social media account as well. So um, once again, kind of another interesting um, bit that falls under that fitness industry umbrella is sort of working on social media content for uh, or fitness related social media content. So that was really cool. I also taught virtual group exercise classes there. Um, So just a really cool experience. Um, That was sort of through the tail end um, or through the beginning of the pandemic. 
so it was interesting to sort of adapt to a new medium, I guess, with virtual personal training and virtual group exercise instruction. So um, after that, I worked as I worked for a company called Health Fitness, which um, they contract with large companies to facilitate and manage their on-site fitness programming. So um, another great experience there. Um, and once again, another different experience within that fitness industry umbrella. So um, this was more like worksite wellness, but still doing a little bit more of like the, um, it's like a corporate fitness setting. So there is that route as well. Right now, currently, I work for a hospital as a health coach. So that's another another job that's within the fitness industry. So um, the, the point being here, um, I'm basically sharing my experience in the fitness industry, but it's basically to showcase all of the different realms that are under the fitness industry umbrella. So if you are passionate about fitness, if you want to help other people be healthy, um, if you feel a passion to serve others and feel like you're making a difference, then I think there's definitely a place for you in the fitness industry. Um, I, I've said this before. I think that it is beneficial to complete that undergraduate degree in, you know, exercise science, kinesiology. Um, for me, it was health and human performance, but I think that that offers a lot more hands-on experience because you're getting to go through, um, you know, those labs, you're getting to go through those internships and all that is going to, going to make you better. And you're working with others. You have classmates that will have unique experiences, um, so for me, it was the, the undergraduate in health and human performance, but I wanted to have a, a bigger, a more broad impact. And that's why I decided to go back for my master's degree in public health. So um, I think that the combination of degrees and certifications is great. I think that it will set set people apart from, from others who maybe just opt for a certification. So um, I hope that background was helpful. I do want to touch on some personal training do's and don'ts because I think that personal training is one of those um, it's it's one of those entry level positions. It's where you you sort of jump in and you can make somewhat of an immediate impact without having to have a bachelor's degree. Now I mentioned that I think it's beneficial to have the degrees and the certs, but some people want to just get right into it and and get those certifications and then kind of hit the ground running and get right into PT. So if you are one of those people, if you're maybe just personal training your friends, you might find this helpful. If you are hiring a personal trainer, you can kind of look out for these things as well. Is your personal trainer doing these these things or um, are they doing some of the PT don'ts? So we're just going to go through some quick personal training do's and don'ts. Um, hopefully you find this helpful as well. So one thing as a personal trainer that I love to do, and I think this is very important and I'm not coming, I don't want to come into this with, you know, like, Oh, I'm this, you know, massive expert. You have to do things like me. Um, I want to just preface that I believe that there are so many different ways to do things. And, you know, if something works for someone, um, might not necessarily work for somebody else. So if my kind of way of doing things is not your jam, I totally respect that. So um, the first one that I have listed off here in my podcast notes is it's so important for personal trainers to prepare for your sessions. Um, I think that one thing that's easy for personal trainers to do is to have to sort of make up those sessions that you do on the fly and this might work for someone that is very similar to yourself because you know what works for you. Um, but if you're working with a more, um, I would say, if you're a, more of a um, special population, like maybe someone who has had a massive injury and they've gone to PT and now they're coming back to regular training, you can't just put them through a random session that you made up. Um so there are so many different facets that kind of fall under preparing for a session. So on like the large kind of bird's eye view level with this, 
it's so important to prepare for the session um, utilizing assessment data that you collect um, from the the client in doing a proper assessment or a proper consult and creating sort of that macro level plan for them right so let's say they purchase a package of personal training they they let's say they get like four sessions right that's going to be um, you know, if you decide to break that out as once a week, then you'll be able to work with that client for a month. If they want to do twice a week, you literally have two weeks with them. So it's really important to understand what is the meeting frequency that you're going to meet with them for those sessions. Um, you know, you can recommend that to them. Like, Hey, I recommend that you work with me twice a week. Um, or you can say, you know, I recommend you, you spread these out a little bit, like you don't need as much help. Or they could do maybe once a month if they really need like a hands-off approach, but they just want a little bit of guidance. So it really depends on the um, kind of the meeting frequency. But once you know that, then you can look at a calendar view and sort of schedule out those sessions. So, okay, on this day, let's say we're going to meet Tuesday and Thursday and they're doing a push-pull-leg split, right? So maybe you're working with them on push and you're working with them on legs. And so you can have that all planned out in advance throughout that entire you know, month or those entire two weeks, however you're going to do it, right? So that's one level of preparing for a session, right? You're going to have this plan laid out. Um, and that plan should work according to their goals, right? So those sessions, and this is where your your expertise comes in, as you know, a fitness professional, we want to make sure that you're um, on the same page with your your client, and you're working toward that goal with them, right? And they should really set those goals themselves. I think it's important for you to provide recommendation as a and guidance as a as a professional. But at the end of the day, if they're not coming up with those goals themselves, they're not going to easily adhere to something that you just tell them to do, right? So then you can look at it more in a micro with a more, um, I guess, micro view, right? More micro scale, if you will. Um, So in that level, it's preparing for the session on the day of the session, right? So let's say you decide to do a push day with them and this all fits in within their big macro level plan. And so you're going to look at, you know, maybe this the the busyness level of the gym on that day let's say um tuesdays are really busy right so if you know that you're going to train this let's say you're training them at 5 p.m on a weekday you know that that gym is going to be really busy during that time period so it's really important during if it's a busy time like that that you have some alternative exercises planned you should always have modifications on deck in case a you know a client isn't comfortable doing something Um, but it's really important to have some backup exercises as well. You want to look credible. You want to be like, okay, you don't even have to bring attention to it. Like, let's say you were planning like a big bench press day and you know, the bench press is taken. You don't want to be sitting there like, um, I don't really know what we're going to do right now. Um, you know, you want to be able to, okay, the bench press is taken. We're going to go do the chest press machine. Hey, and you can reassure your client it's going to work the same muscles. Um, you know, and I don't know, go into those details, but the the client is paying for that time. And oftentimes they're paying a good amount of money as well. And so they're paying for not only the expertise, but the guidance as well, taking them through that session, keep making sure that you're keeping them safe and you're working them toward their goals. Right. So, um, and then even like, let's say you, you are like a private personal training studio and you only have a, you're only meeting someone for 30 minutes you're going to want to have all of that equipment ready for each exercise, right? So that right when they get there, maybe they warm up ahead of time. You can hit the ground running with them. You're not wasting any of their 30 minutes with them, right? So that's really important um, is just preparing for those sessions. You want to have some exercises on deck ready in case equipment is not available. Um, you want to have equipment out and ready if you are in a setting where you can control for that. So um, preparing for sessions is a huge must. I you, you have to program to the the client's needs. You can't program to what you want to do with them. That's not serving the client. It's all about service. Um, the next one is timing. So I always encourage, or I would always do this. I encourage other people to do it as well. 
is wear a watch and get used to time management because you don't want to have an exercise routine programmed for someone and you're getting through like three of the six exercises that you had planned because you're talking the whole time and you're just not managing the time correctly. And so if you do notice like, hey, I'm running out of time here and you had like an extra couple exercises programmed, maybe you add in like a finisher move to the two exercises that you were doing. Like let's say you're doing, uh, you know, maybe a flat bench press or something or flat dumbbell press or flat bench fly, whatever the case is. And then they, instead of being like, okay, we're going to go into our next two exercises, but we're only going to do one set because we ran out of time. Like, no, you'd maybe just stick with the ones that they were doing. Let's say it's flat bench press right after their last set that you had planned. Maybe you have them go to the floor and just do one set of push ups to failure. You know, it's like you're, you're allowing them to feel you like they're getting the most out of that session. Um, even if you still were poor, poorly timing that out. But I think wearing a watch will help. You'll kind of get used to what you can fit into the given time period that you have with that client. So if it's 30 minutes, um, you can kind of create that sense of urgency. You can program in a way, usually like six exercises and doing like supersets. So, um, three different supersets, six exercises, two per, you know, if you're doing it like that, usually that's like 30 minutes. So you can kind of figure out, um, if you know, a client's really chatty, you can kind of, you know, maybe program the session in a way that will facilitate, um, ending that on time, but still getting enough volume in, um, and intensity for their goals. So timing is really important. Once again, I encourage wearing a watch. It just helps you kind of keep track of time. You don't want to, if you have back-to-back sessions scheduled, you don't want to run late for one because then you're pulling time from someone else. So timing is really important. Um, Another thing to mention is that unless you're a, a registered dietitian, you cannot write specific meal plans for your clients. So those of you that are hiring personal trainers, if your personal trainer is telling you eat eight ounces of chicken and one cup of rice at this meal, that is illegal. They cannot give you a meal plan. A registered dietitian can give you a meal plan, but a personal trainer can only give recommendations. So they could recommend that, you know, you consume this many calories. They recommend this, but they cannot give specific dietary instruction eat this at meal one this at meal two that is not within the scope of practice for a personal trainer so that's something really important to mention as well Um, a few of these should go without saying but your personal trainer should never whip out their phone and be texting or on instagram or taking calls during your session they should be completely focused on you during that session so that is they're counting for you. Um, as a personal trainer, you should count for your client. If they tell you like, and I've had clients tell me like, Hey, I I don't want you to count for me. I can, I can do it. Like I'm fine. And so if that's the case, then you're there providing encouragement, checking their breathing. Hey, make sure you exhale as you're pushing, you know, sometimes people hold their breath. So little stuff like that, but really giving them your full attention and focus during that session. If you know, you notice that you're getting a call, maybe you wear like an Apple watch or a Fitbit or something and it's an emergency. You know, if you feel like it's an emergency, you can say, Hey, excuse me, this is not normal. I'm getting this call from this person. I think this is an emergency. Um, just one second, please. You know, or you could, you know, kind of excuse yourself for a moment. Um, but yeah, just, you know, be respectful. That should go without saying, but I've seen it before. Um, Another thing that's really important is to not be rigid. So you should be willing to make adjustments on the fly. And this kind of goes into um, the preparing for sessions tip. But, you know, you should, if, if you have a set schedule of your workout and there's just a lot of people on the equipment that you planned, like you don't want to waste the client's time. So be willing to make adjustments, be willing to be flexible with that planning, um, all in all, it's 
you're really focused on the client and their needs. If there's a different exercise they can do, which you should already have programmed into your, your programming for them, then I encourage you just to move on to that one. Um, it's, it's just really important. And it's, you know, it can also be helpful if you're working at a gym with other personal trainers, kind of knowing who's on the schedule that day, what type of equipment are they going to be using? So you can kind of coordinate with them, um, what's going to be available for you. Um, another thing that personal trainers should never do is push supplements on their, their clients. Um, you know, I've seen this before, heard, heard of this in the fitness industry is someone who is sponsored by a supplement company, basically peddling out those supplements to their clients. And, this should never happen. This is kind of falls in line with the dietitian scope of practice. It's not really, you know, on, you can give guidance. If somebody asks a question, you can kind of state some of the benefits. If it's been researched, like I think of creatine in that way, like somebody might ask, Oh, should I supplement creatine? Well, I can't tell you to take creatine, but I can tell you some of the benefits of it. And same goes with all the other supplements. I can tell you or give you more information on them, but I can't tell you what to take. Um, so pushing supplements, definitely not within the scope of practice for a personal trainer. Um, another one that I've touched on before is your personal trainer, or if you are a personal trainer, you should never be doing the workout with your clients. You are there to, to focus that attention on the client. You're not there to receive benefit from that session. They're paying you for guidance. They're paying you for the motivation, the um, help with adhering to a workout program, um, that expert that expert guidance and, and really expert knowledge with programming, and then really putting them through a safe session. If you're doing the session with them and you're focused on yourself, that's going to be taking away attention from the client, and ultimately, you know, it could put their safety at risk as well. So um, definitely don't do the workout with your clients. Um, this is kind of one of those that should go without saying a little bit, but I have seen that before as well. And then the last one I'm going to touch on, there's obviously so many more, but I don't want this to drag on the segment for too long. The last one that I have here is set the expectation. So at the first consult with a, a client, I always ask, you know, what are you expecting to get out of this experience? What, what would you like to get out of this experience or what are your expectations in working with a personal trainer? Um, this provides an opportunity to set the expectations so that the the client doesn't have um, beliefs that that do not line up with the service that you're offering. So some people think that you know maybe you're going to be available via text 24/7. And let's say someone had a friend that had a personal trainer that did that, and so this person might come in just assuming that, and then they end up hitting you up you know in the middle of the night like oh you know I. I had a late night craving. I don't, I don't know what to do. And they're calling you or something, you know, like it's important to set that expectation from the get go as well. Um, you know, set the expectation that I'm not going to be writing you a meal plan. Um, I'm not going to, you know, it's just important to lay that groundwork so that you're on the same page with your client. You don't want to make, um, really big claims like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to lose 20 pounds. You know, I'm going to help you lose 20 pounds. I promise. Like you don't want to do those things because you can't control them outside of that session, right? You can give as much guidance as possible, but let's say that they are just not adhering to the program. They're doing the one session with you a week and then outside of that, you can't control any of that. They, they're they not making the progress that you promised them and so they're going to be upset and they might blame you. So it's really important to set that expectation with them you know, at, at the, the beginning of working with them. So that's going to do it for the personal training um, do's and don'ts as well as just kind of wrapping up that segment on what it's like working in the fitness industry. Um, working as a personal trainer was really the the opening, um, the, the kind of the door, getting my, it was my opportunity to get my foot in the door with the fitness industry um, while I was in school. And it was a great experience and, you know, I obtained that certification and it really all kickstarted my, um, my career in the fitness industry to where I'm at now, um, working in a hospital and just really enjoying serving others and helping people, 
live a healthier lifestyle. So I encourage you, if you're interested in getting into the fitness industry, um, do some research, find what speaks to you of the different careers within the industry. But I hope this helped out a little bit. Let's get into our fitness tip of the week. So the fitness tip for this week is to get the controllables in place before relying on supplements for results. So what I mean by this, the controllables, right? This is being consistent with your sleep, Um, you know, consistently getting in the nutrition that you need. So I don't mean like following some weird diet or, oh, you need to eat the same thing every single day. What I mean is just giving your body what it needs to facilitate the goal that you want, right? If you're trying to add muscle mass, then, you know, you're going to want to have enough nutrition to facilitate that. Um, If that factor is not in place, the supplements don't matter. And the same goes with the sleep. Um, And then also your training too. Uh, My friend, Brett Hart, he posted a, a post today talking about you can have the best programming in the world, but if you're not consistent with it, you're not going to get the results. And so the consistency is huge as well. And part of the consistency, the factor in that is enjoying the sessions. So if you hate the workout program that you're doing, but you feel like you have to do it, you're not, you're not going to be, I don't want to say you're not going to be consistent, but you're more likely to not be because you don't enjoy it. So you have to enjoy it. Um, but it is going to take some work to get there. and, And that's, um, really what I was touching on with one of my other fitness tips is just that patience of, of putting in that, that effort, um, repeatedly over time. Um, but getting those controllables in place and then the supplements are kind of like that, that cherry on top. Right. And I know that other people in the fitness industry have talked about this before. I know I've heard Steve Cook talk about this as well, but you got to get those controllables in under control before you resort and expect supplements to do everything. Um, I know for myself, it was like, oh, I'm going to, when I was in high school, it was like, I'm going to get this new creatine. And it was like, um, I don't know if you guys remember crealcaline. It was like supposed to really help. And so I was like, you know, maybe eating like three meals a day, but not really consistently putting in the calories that I needed to grow. I was an ectomorph. So I needed to really eat a lot because I had a fast metabolism. And so, you know, I was expecting this creatine to do a bunch of work for me and help me gain a bunch of weight, but my nutrition wasn't in check. And so, um, I look back at that time and I'm like, man, I wish I had the nutrition in check because I think I would have made a lot more progress, but you got to get those controllables in place, control the controllables. And then the supplements are just that little extra bit on top. Once you have all of those other things going for you, like hydration, sleep, nutrition, um, your, your mental state as well around training, you know, and that's what I kind of mean with the consistency and just enjoying it. So hopefully that fitness tip helps, helps kind of remind you to not rely so much on supplements or, um, these extra things to get you the results when you're not, controlling the really important parts like sleep, nutrition, um, consistency, all of that. So hopefully that helps. Let's move into the song of the week selection. This week we heard from Veil of Maya. So Veil of Maya, one of my favorite bands, um, right when I was moving to California, I was really listening, kind of diving into their entire discography and, um, songs like Mikasa, I believe Aries, um, a lot of them, like, I honestly don't remember the names, especially on the, the album with Echo Chamber. Um, but the, the songs are just nostalgic. When you hear, um, Lucas's chorus, you're like, man, this song just hits and it's great. So the song that they released this week is called Synthwave Vegan. So kind of an interesting name. Um, I'm not sure where it comes from or any of the meaning behind it, but um, there are some synths in the song at one point, but this song is under three minutes. So once you see that under three minute, you know it's going to be heavy. And this song certainly delivers the heavy. There are no cleans within the entire song. Um, The song kind of starts off with, I think, what ends up being the chorus. Um, It says like, the lyrics are like bury them in the valley. And so that's kind of like the opener part it goes through a bunch of heavy 
sections with like really technical guitar, kind of like really genty and heavy. And then they come back to that, bury them in the valley. I, it's it's kind of a cool way. The song structure is not anything that I'm kind of used to, um, especially with Veil of Mai's more latest stuff has been a lot more, I would say, like light. It's not as heavy as the their older stuff. So I think this song is kind of maybe an ode to their older music. Um, they definitely have a fan base from, I think, before Lucas was the vocalist when they did this really heavy music. I wasn't into them back then. I think it was Lucas's choruses that really drew me into the band. Um, and then I kind of stayed because the instrumentals are so good too. Um, but at the 1 minute and 40 mark, they kind of open up a little bit. It's not quite as, as heavy or technical. And then they go right back into that really genty heavy guitar but um the song is kind of chaotic all the way through i think it's one of those where it's it's really memorable in the sense that it's just so different the structure there's no cleans it's just kind of it's really chaotic um so i think if you like the really technical guitar if you like super heavy not so much clean vocals i think you will enjoy this song um i definitely enjoy it is it my favorite of the the last few that singles that they've released um you know probably probably not um (laughs) just to be completely honest my favorite of their latest releases is members only that's probably my favorite it's just the mix with that song um they kind of have like a i forget what they're called it's like the accordion or some type of instrument that they do like a solo on um or it might be one of those like piano guitars, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm not sure. If somebody knows, you can help me out. Um, but either way, the my favorite of their latest releases is either Outsider or um, or Members Only. But this song is really good too. I love everything Vale of Maya puts out. I'm definitely gonna give it its due diligence and give it a listen. Um, of all of their releases, this one could be good for working out just because it's so heavy. So if you're not familiar with Veil vale Maya, I encourage you to check them out. And especially this new song, Synthwave Vegan. So I think they they have an album coming out at some point, probably in like the next year. So we'll keep an eye out for that. But that is going to do it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. We got to, through a lot of content talking about the fitness industry and what it's like to work in the fitness industry. So if you are thinking of partaking in a job in the fitness industry, um, hopefully this helps you out and maybe pushing you in one direction. There's obviously a ton more positions that I haven't even touched on. I can just speak to my own experience. So that's what I did here. But hope you guys enjoyed this one. Stay safe and take care until next time.